Welcome, everybody. Nice to see you guys. Want to welcome all of our locations. Great to have you guys with us. Big shout out to Summerlin and Southern Highlands, Sunrise Mountain, to our Kingman family, to those joining us online and those joining us in different prison facilities around the country in our partnership with God Behind Bars. Welcome, you guys. We're glad you're here. Well, we are wrapping up our teaching series this week, Do You Even Lift?, which is really all about making spiritual and personal gains as we go in to a new year. And uh, it's important, I think, because we all go through times in our life where we feel stuck, just stuck. I mean, how many of you say, you remember a time where you just felt stuck? You know, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I had my, my first car was uh, an old Buick Skylark that my sister used to drive, and it got handed down to me. And as soon as I got the car, I thought I was like the coolest kid in my peer group because I had a car and a lot of them didn't. And so after school one day in high school, we headed out and we were driving down some back roads, and I thought, I'm going to show these guys how cool I am. I'm going to show them how fast I can go in reverse. And so I threw the car in reverse, and, and you know, I'm going as fast as I can, and I'm just driving, just looking through the rearview mirror like I don't even need to look back. You know, I'm James Bond. And I didn't realize that the road came to a T. It came to a direct kind of dead end, and another road crossed this way, and I didn't even see it, and we went flying off of that road right into this massive ditch. It actually bent the back of that Buick Skylark up. And then I was in trouble. I was stuck. And it didn't matter how much I pushed the gas, how much the tires spun, they were elevated up off the ground on the backside of the ditch and it wasn't going anywhere, you know? And my friends and I are all looking at each other and I'm thinking, this is not good. And that's what it feels like when you're stuck. The wheels just keep spinning. You aren't sure what to do. Some of you may be stuck right now in a relational situation. You may be stuck at work. You may feel like you're stuck with your health. You just feel like you're stuck. Our bulldog, Roxy, she's, she's stuck right now. She's, she's coming up on 12 years old. She's, you know, not a spring chicken anymore. And she's having some uh, continence issues. She's, she's, you know, it's really not good. And so this week she got a new surprise. I'll show it to you on the screen here. This is uh, my little Roxy with her new addition to her wardrobe. Yes, that is a doggy diaper. And yes, you will make that investment when your dog starts going to the bathroom all over the place. You can only wash their bed so many times till you're like, do they make like diapers? Anyway, she's trying to adjust to a situation where she feels stuck. Now, some things you can't change, right? Some things you feel stuck and there's nothing you can do, but other things you can. And we've been asking God over the last several weeks for the wisdom to kind of know the difference and then to attack some things that we can change in our lives. Now, for me to get unstuck, I needed some help. We've been talking the last several weeks about what it means for us to get unstuck in different ways. We've talked about willpower and how that isn't enough. We need more than just willpower. We need God power working in our life. And we looked at some different pieces of the puzzle that can help us change. We'll bring them up on the screen here. We talked about want power, the desire to change, friend power. Look, you can't live your best life with the wrong friends. Friends are very important to helping us move forward. We talked about habit power. It's better to win small than to lose big. If we make small adjustments and changes in our life, it can have a huge impact. And then today I wanna to talk about 
just grit power, the power to see it through. Now, I needed all of those to get out of the ditch when I was in high school. First of all, I needed, uh, I already had want power. I wanted to get out of that ditch because I knew if we didn't get that car out of the ditch, in some way or another, a parental unit would get involved. And if a parental unit got involved, that would mean I wouldn't be driving my car very much longer, right? So all my friends, we all got out of the car and we put our minds together and together we kind of got a little plan. We were gonna rock the car back and forth. I was gonna be in the, in the driver's seat with the door open, pushing it. We just go a little bit up and then back and then up and then back. And eventually we got the thing going and with some friend power and some want power and some grit power, we got out of the ditch. And I tell you that story because I know some of you feel like you're in a ditch right now. I know you feel like you're stuck in the the wheels are spinning and you aren't sure there's any way to get out of this ditch. But listen to me, your ditch is not your destiny. It's not your destiny. And God can do a work in your life if you'll allow him that will help you begin to get traction and move forward into the life he's calling you to live. I have one big idea today and it's simply this, that your setbacks can become your setups for your comeback. Your setbacks can become your setups for your comeback. We all have setbacks, we all find ourselves in the ditch, but we don't have to stay in the ditch in our lives. So in this teaching series, we've been looking at Romans chapter 12. I wanna go back there with you today. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. The way we do it here at Central, we'll bring it up on the side screen. I'll read it when we get to the uh, red word. I'm just gonna ask you to read it out loud, real loud here with me. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, rejoice in our confident, what? Hope, in our confident hope. He says, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. All throughout uh, the, the Romans chapter 12, Paul started and he says, therefore in view of God's mercy, which is really a reference back to the earlier chapters in Romans and really the whole case that he's been making in Romans, that we've been justified by faith, that Christ has died on a cross in our stead so that we could be forgiven and free. Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we've been given God's spirit, that we're his sons and his daughters. And he finally gets all the way up to chapter 12 and he goes, therefore in light of all the these things and then he says give your body as a living sacrifice remember this and then we go on in Romans chapter 12 and towards the end he's gonna get super practical now he's gonna give us all these kind of basic practical things to do and it all sort of anchors in this idea rejoice in hope rejoice in your hope when things get hard when you feel stuck when you feel like your wheels are spinning what can you do one of the most powerful things you can do is continue to rejoice in your confident hope and so I'd word it this way picture your better future picture your better future in your life I saw some kids they were asked the question of what their future would be like and so they wrote down some responses some of these were classic uh, let's check this out we'll bring the first one up here one kid says this hundred year old me when I'm a hundred I will play Uno with my grandchildren I will wear a sweater all of the time come on I'll take naps every day I will take my wife to Pizza Hut for dinner Yes, 
Sounds better to me all the time, right? All right, here, let's bring up another one. Uh, this uh, person said, someday, if I get a boyfriend, <laughs> if I ever get a boyfriend, I might let my parents come on the date, but they have to sit far away from us. That might happen, because I might not get a boyfriend. <laughs> and I can tell you with a daughter who just turned 18, I'm all for the not getting a boyfriend. All right, here's the next one. Uh, Graham, he says this, what will you be doing when you're 100 years old? Look at this, breaking out of my tomb. <laughs> Gotta love the spirit, right? Breaking out of my tomb. There's something powerful that happens in our lives when we picture a better future. Uh, my friend, Pastor David Hughes, he's spoken here many times at Central. Uh, if you haven't heard him yet, you will. He's a great, incredible communicator. But I was with him in Florida this last year. He's really a gym rat. Guy goes, he's gone to the, he's worked out like every day of his life or at least regularly for the last 20 or 30 years, right? So he takes me to his gym and it's this kind of ratty, pumping iron sort of gym. You know, it's not like really nice, you know, uh, high-end gym or anything. This one's just sort of not. If you go in and all these old weight machines and free weights are all crammed in this space and, and we're working out together and, and, and uh, he shows, he points my attention to the screens and on the screens with, with no audio, it's just the visual, they're playing the old 1970s documentary Pumping Iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Remember this? Some of you are like, no, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, I didn't either. But... It's just, and, and I said, so they, is this just on randomly? He goes, no, 24-7, when the gym is open, pumping iron runs on the screen. Just pumping iron. And so I thought, why, why would you do that? Why would you have these uh, Lou Ferrino and, you know, and um, Schwarzenegger, why would you have these, these incredible weightlifters on a screen in front of you in dated uh, video all the time and it dawns on me as I'm sitting there doing curls with this little bitty weight with my little skinny arms right I get to look up and there's Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's doing curls just like me and he's doing them with weights five times more than I am right and his arm is huge and if I look up at him long enough I start to believe if I do this every day I could look like that I could be the Terminator, right? That and a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of human growth hormone, but let's not go into that whole side of thing, you know? Like, it's gonna take way more than a protein shake, people. What are they trying to do though? They're trying to show us a different future, and by looking at that different future, you're inspired then to go after it. And the Bible is constantly challenging us to remember our hope. Remember the hope that you have. Look, the Bible teaches as a follower of Jesus that our ultimate home is in heaven. And heaven is really defined by the presence of God in a powerful and kind of uh, ultimate way in our lives. Heaven is a place where there'll be no more suffering, no more crying, no more tears, no more dying. And we're to look forward to that. That's the place what we really will call home. And we shouldn't expect to feel like we're home here when home is really there. Home is where God and his spirit ultimately move and work in our lives. We get to taste it a little bit now. We have God's spirit within us. We have him working in our lives, but that's where our hope really is. And we gotta hang on to that hope. We gotta rejoice in it 
especially when things get hard. Sometimes God allows us to go through setbacks. And sometimes those setbacks are really hard. It's like working out. Um, when I work out and I go through leg day, how many of you do leg day? You know what I'm talking about? You ever do leg day? Okay. Man, after leg day, you would think after working out for a while consistently and all that, doing leg day, that you would be strong, <laughs> right? But after leg day, my first thought when I walk up to the stairs in my house is, am I going to be able to make it up these stairs, right? You've been down to load the dishwasher. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? What are you thinking? Am I going to be able to stand up, right? Because when you work those muscles out, they break down. And you got to break them down before they can be built back up and be strong again. And that's how setbacks can work in our lives. Sometimes God allows us to face some tough setbacks, but they, if we allow him, they can break us down so that he can build us back up. Listen, the breakdown precedes the breakthrough. So You try to change something in your life, you go after something, you get friend power working in your corner and want power, God's power and, and grit power and habit power. But the challenge is as you start moving forward, sometimes it can feel harder before it gets easier, right? Sometimes you gotta go through that breakdown to get to the breakthrough. And what keeps you going in those moments is you gotta hang on to your confident hope. You just gotta keep rejoicing. He says, not only hang on to your confident hope, remember what he said, he says, keep on praying. Prayer is a way that you can visualize a better future in your life. Not only the ultimate future God has, but also for other things that you're praying for and asking God to do in your life. He says, keep on praying. Keep on holding on to faith. Rejoice in your confident hope. Rejoice in the fact that God forgave you and worked in your life. Rejoice in the fact that God showed up and God rescued you when no one else was around. Remember the fact that God did it before and he can do it again. Remember that he was with you and for you when nobody else was. Remember that he was moving in your life when you didn't even understand who he was. Remember that he fills you with joy and good things in your life. He provides for you. He takes care of you. Walk in his promises. Rejoice in it every day. And in my own life, I've seen just rejoicing in that hope kind of get me out of the ditch, get me moving forward again, get me believing and trusting. Here's another thought if we want to see our setbacks really become setups for our comeback, and that is to not only rejoice in our confident hope by picturing a better future, but something that... Uh, that I would call hug the cactus. Sometimes we just gotta hug the cactus. Mel Gibson was a guy that, you know, was sort of couldn't do any wrong in Hollywood for a lot of years, uh, made the passion of the Christ, you know, made millions and millions of dollars. And then some of you will remember, you know, he had this drunken moment where he made all these racial slurs and other things. He got into all kinds of a mess and just kind of his life blew up. And he became for a season like the most despised guy in all of Hollywood. And one of the things that I loved was this speech years ago that Robert Downey Jr. gave at the height of Mel Gibson's, um, or the, I should say the low point of his popularity. And Robert Downey Jr. stood up in front of this group. He had asked Mel Gibson to present the award to him in front of all of these Hollywood elites. And that was the only way Mel Gibson was ever gonna get to stand up and address them. And then he stands up to get this award and he says, when I was trying to get sober, 
Mel Gibson was the person who came along in my life and told me to lean into my faith. And he told me if I was willing to hug the cactus, I might become a man. If I was willing to do the hard things, I might actually get clean and get sober. And he went on to say he gave me a job when nobody else would give me a job. He put food on my table when nobody else would put food on my table. And he ended this little speech by saying, look, I think Mel's hugged the cactus long enough. And it's time to offer forgiveness. I love that image because when we think about moving forward, we don't often think about the pain that sometimes can be involved in really healing. I mean, this past week, I, I fell down the stairs at our house. Any of you ever fallen down the stairs? Come on, that's an old man, old woman move, right? Isn't that what, I'm like, oh, how can this happen, right? I fell down the stairs. My, our stairs are like tiled, you know, and so I was at the top of the stairs. I had coffee in one hand. I was wearing socks. Won't be doing that again. And, I, and I, before I even got on the stairs, I started to slip, and I started to run backwards. You know what I'm talking about? And then, and then it just went downhill from there. It was like... You know when you're skiing and you like totally fall and it's crazy and you know your skis are going over here and this ski's going over there and you know you're, you got headphones that are over here, your phone's over there, everything goes everywhere, they call it yard sailing. I yard sailed down the stairs, coffee in the air, splashing on the wall, shattering on the ground. My wife comes around the corner, I caught myself on my elbows on one of the steps. I mean, it was a hard fall. I had the air knocked out of me. And I'm just sitting there and she says, are you okay, right? It's like when you're choking, you're, are you okay? Right, you know, it's like, really? She says, are you okay? You know what I said? I could hardly talk, I couldn't even breathe. I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> And then she asked me again, right? This is what we do when you love someone. Are you, are you okay? I'm like, uh, uh, I'm okay. She says, are you okay? I'm like, stop asking me if I'm okay. I have no idea if I'm okay or not. No lies, exactly what I said. And I'm like, just give me a minute. I actually sat there for 30 minutes. I kept thinking I broke something. Something is broke. I'm just waiting for it to show up, you know? I finally got up, my ego was wounded, I walked a little crooked for a few days, couldn't really turn my neck, but other than that, no problems. But that's how we often deal with pain, right? We go through pain in our lives, and as soon as it happens, what do we say? I'm okay, right? I talk to people, they, their family blows up, they go through a divorce, it hasn't even ended yet. How, how you doing? I'm okay, I'm okay, right? You get fired, you get let go at work, you get transitioned at work, and in the pain of how you doing, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I mean, that's what we, that's our knee-jerk reaction. I'm okay, but often we have no idea if we're okay or not, right? Because it just takes a little while to kind of sit on the steps after the fall, if you will, to say like, am I okay? And what do I need to do to become okay? And one of the things that we can do in our lives is hug the cactus. I've got a big cactus up here. Doesn't this look nice? Can you imagine just giving this a nice big hug? That would hurt. That would be awful. There would be blood. But you know, sometimes from a spiritual standpoint, 
Hugging the cactus, so to speak, can be one of the most powerful things we do. When you hug the cactus, here's what I mean. I mean, you get serious about the interior stuff in your life. Hugging the cactus may mean going to counseling. Hugging the cactus may mean forgiving somebody in your life that you really are enjoying holding on to anger and bitterness towards, right? Hugging the cactus in recovery, we talk about, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. And so hugging the cactus may mean getting honest about some things that you've been keeping secret. Hugging the cactus may mean trying to make amends with those that you've hurt in your life. Hugging the cactus may mean going back from an interior standpoint and starting to work through and deal with some things that happened in your childhood, some things that you went through in the home you grew up in. Why? You want to deal with those things so that you don't continue those things, right? You want to let God transform your pain so that you don't transfer your pain to others. You want to hug the cactus so that you don't just make others hug your cactus, right? And it's hard, right? It's not a lot of fun, but it can be so powerful. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Romans chapter 12, 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. That sounds a lot like hugging the cactus to me. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will what? Bless them. Pray that God will bless them. Then he goes forward, he says, be happy with those who are happy. That's easy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> Love how Paul's just so practical here. But he's talking about blessing people that have hurt you, blessing people that have persecuted you, that have discriminated against you. Probably in the context of Romans, he's thinking if they've persecuted you for your faith or for your beliefs, people can persecute you for a whole lot of different reasons. And he's saying, what do you do with those people? He's saying, you bless them. Even though they may do harm to you, you bless them. You pray that God will bless them. That sounds a lot like hugging the cactus. But I can tell you, if you've been hurt and you've been damaged, nothing will hold you in a setback as strong as unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will keep you stuck. And many of us, we're not gonna break free until we begin that process of forgiveness. Look, it's not about the person that you need to forgive. It's about you. It's about me letting go of some things so that we can be free, so that we can let our setback become a setup for our comeback. Listen, God has a plan in your life and in mine. He has a plan. He's working. He's moving. So wherever you're at, whatever you're going through right now in your life, maybe a guy or a girl broke your heart and you can't see a way forward right now. I went through that. I had an experience where somebody broke my heart and we were going to get married. It was going to be amazing. And then this whole thing fell apart. I lost 20 pounds. I was an absolute train wreck. But man, am I glad I went through that setback. Because I look back at it now and realize that was just a setup for God to do some things in my heart that I desperately needed. Because one day this girl named Lori was going to come walking by. Hey! What's up? The setback was a setup for the comeback, right? But I had to see it that way. I had to do the hard work. I had to let God grow me into being a more mature less selfish man before Lori was ever going to lay eyes on me. Um, 
Maybe you had a dream and that dream ultimately hasn't worked out. It collapsed. It didn't go the way you thought it would go. And you're frustrated and you're upset. Listen, I had some dreams that didn't go the way I thought they would go as well. That's just part of being human. But the good news today is I look back now and I'm so glad God didn't honor those dreams because he gave me other dreams and he'll give you other dreams because the setback is just a setup. Let him in there to do the work in your life. Let him work and forgive and heal and do what only he can do so that you're ready for the comeback when God brings it around. Hug the cactus if you want your setback to be a setup for a comeback. Third idea is this, just keep doing good. Just keep doing good. Look at what Paul says in these very next verses in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. <laughs> Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Look at this, I love this. Don't let evil conquer you, but what? Conquer, you see that? Conquer evil by doing good. That's a pretty sweet job description. What do you do? I conquer evil. How do you do it? I conquer evil by doing good. You see that? I conquer evil by doing good. Look, evil is in our world. I mean, you, don't, you look at the news, you look at... Uh, people's responses to one another on social media. You look at the fact that the Patriots are going to another Super Bowl. Evil is in our world. <laughs> but it's not the final story. One day God will deal with it ultimately. And until then, our job is to push back on the evil in our world by doing good, right? By being kind, by showing through our actions what God has done for us. This past year, I got to have a, a lunch with a powerful civil rights leader from uh, the 60s all the way through to today, Dr. Robert Greene. As I was having lunch with him and just learning from him and listening I said, you know, tell, tell me some stories that just stand out to you. Uh, he had marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and some of the early um, marches. I said, tell me some stories from kind of that time. And he said, well, one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life, he said, I was in Memphis, was sitting in the back seat of a car, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was in the um, passenger seat of the car with the window down, and we were at a gas station. He said, we pulled up at this gas station and a white man walked up to the car and he pulled a gun and he put the gun right in the face of Dr. King. He called him a slur word and he said, I'm gonna kill you right here. And he said, I watched Dr. King from the back seat and he's like, I can see it today. He slowly turned his head, looked the man in the eye, smiled and said, I love you, brother. And he said, the man just stood there, looked at his gun, didn't know what to do, and walked away. He said, that was the day I realized Dr. King was not afraid to die. He was not afraid to die, but he was afraid of people stopping doing 
good. You got to keep doing good. Even when people persecute you, you got to keep doing good. Even when they reject you, you got to keep doing good. Even when it's hard, you got to keep doing good. Even when you want to quit, you got to keep doing good. When it shouldn't be this hard in your life, you got to keep doing good. When you shouldn't have to go uphill both ways, you got to keep doing good. When things should have gone differently, that's particularly when you got to keep doing good. Because if you keep doing good, your setback can be your setup for your comeback. So friends, wherever you're at in your life, want power, together with friend power, together with habit power, together with grit power, can help us experience change. And if we'll just move forward with an understanding that the setbacks we've been through are setups for our comeback, that look, our, our struggle and our difficulty and our ditch is not our destiny. Look, our breakdown may be happening right now, but breakdown precedes the breakthrough. God, I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna walk in faith and believe that my best days are still to come. I'm gonna rejoice, even though I may feel stuck right now, I'm gonna rejoice in my confident hope. Friends, if you'll do that, I think it'll have a powerful pull in your life to help you get unstuck. And one of the ways we wanna help you do that is through a seminar that we offer here at Central. It's called First Step. First Step is a powerful tool to help you in your life kind of get unstuck and begin to grow spiritually in an incredible way. And so I wanna challenge you, if you've never been to First Step, uh, you should have either received a card like this across our locations, or it'll be in the seat back in the front of you or in the seat you know, that you're currently in. It says Central Church on one side, but the flip side says First Step. Join us at First Step. And uh, it's coming up in a couple weeks. It's a seminar that basically runs congruent to the weekend across our locations. Some locations have a midweek option, but uh, it's a great seminar to sign up for, to just kind of get unstuck in this season of your life, to meet some great people, to have a lot of fun, to learn some fundamentals of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to learn more about the church and how you can get involved. So if you've never taken First Step, that's a great tool right around the corner. Make sure to grab one of these cards, fill them out. Uh, across our locations, when you leave, you can just drop them in buckets uh, and turn them in that way and uh, take that step in your life. I think it'll be really, really powerful. For some of you, maybe you've never really crossed the line of faith in your life, and I'd love to just give you that opportunity. I never hardly let a service go by without just giving an opportunity for people to respond if God is moving in your heart and in your life, if he's tapping you on the shoulder. And so if today is your day, if this is your time to be a follower of Jesus, I just encourage you to repeat a simple prayer after me to just open your heart to God and allow him to move in your life. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed across our locations, wherever you're at today, if that's a spiritual commitment you're making in your life, I just wanna ask you to slip your hand in the air just to acknowledge that you're following God in your life today. Just slip your hand in the air. God, we thank you for each person reaching out to you. I pray you'll show up powerfully in their life 
forgive, heal, restore, do the work that only you can do. And for all of us, God, send us forward into our comeback. Help us experience your power and presence in our life this week in tangible ways. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.